Today's teaching is from Mark 4, 1 through 20. Um, Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teachings he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root in them. But they have a root, no root in themselves, and they endure it for a while. And then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, friends. Uh, love seeing all of you. And uh, my name is Russell. I'm the pastor here. And, um, you know, after church, I know there's a temptation to, uh, to run out and places to, to go, uh, food to eat. Um, but I also think it's an important time um, to pause and to make friends. And so don't, don't be afraid to do that today. If the temptation in your mind's like, I want to get out of here as quick as possible. I don't want to meet anybody. Tell yourself that you're a liar and you should meet someone today. All right. Um, let me pray as uh, we open God's word. And so, Father, um, thank you for these words. And even as we read them, I'm, um, I feel this deep pressure to um, say something profound about them. But I, I pray right now, God, that uh, your truths would rise up, that the things that you want um, said in here would be here. And um, I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear, that the truth and the grace of your word um, would not just stay in our hearts, but it would sink, uh, stay in our heads, but it would sink deep into our hearts. And so encourage us where we need encouragement. Um, correct us where we need correction and give us hope where we might be hopeless. And so we thank you for your word. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we come into a passage today where um, Jesus is telling parables in Mark's gospel, and um, he actually doesn't uh, do this much in Mark's gospel. You're not going to find Jesus teaching a lot in Mark's gospels, but when he is teaching, the primary way he's going to do that is to tell stories. In fact, about a third of Jesus's words recorded in the Bible are 
parables. And so it's probably something we should try and lean into and understand. And what's really important about this is that um, what we know to be true is that stories are inherently interesting. Like we, we know this. We are uh, drawn into movies or to a friend's story or to a book, and we know, yes, maybe we're entertained, we're informed, we're motivated, but what does the story begin to do? The story begins to involve you in its existence because a story is actually designed to mirror existence, right? And a really good story will invite you to change. Uh, one of my favorite things to do as a dad is to read books at bedtime. And so my daughter, Rose, is a reader. She's only three years old, but she's just obsessed with books. And so if you want to discipline Rose, all you have to do is threaten to take away her books. And like, she does whatever you ask. Like, do you want to lose books? Like, okay, like she's brushing her teeth like automatically right away. And so bedtime means story time for, for Rose. Um, you know, we don't get ready for bed, and she says, Dad, can you uh, share some facts with me about your day? Um, she doesn't say, Dad, can you teach me math? But it's, Dad, can you read me a book? And when we open a book at bedtime, we're exploring a world, right? We're exploring the world of Peter Rabbit or Goodnight Moon or uh, Frog and Toad. Any Frog and Toad people in here? And you know these? Okay, okay, there we go. I'm just now learning about Frog and Toad. And I, it is hilarious. It's some great reads. And so when we read this, we're actually entering into a storied world, right? And we're being entertained and we're being informed and the story is involving us. But the importance of story is this. And this is what's so important to understand when we come to a parable. Is um, if a story is being told, like frog and toad, what's happening at the same exact time is a story is being lived alongside it. And it's your story. And so these stories are actually drawn up against each other, and you don't know it, but they're in dialogue with one another. They're set next to each other. And so you're bringing your own life, you're bringing your own biases, you're bringing along your questions. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're watching a movie, reading a book, or whatever it is, you're actually filtering through, the brain is amazing that we can do this, that we're actually filtering through our life experience when we're reading a story, and it's thrown alongside the story. And there are four questions, primary questions, that we must come to grips with in our life. We're going to go deep fast here, okay? This is it, right? Where do we come from? This is a question of origin. These are the four questions we have to answer in our life. What gives us meaning? This is a question of meaning. What gives us a sense of right or wrong? This is a question of morality. And then what happens when we die? These are the questions you bring to frog and toad, okay? <laughs> it's deep, right? Origin meaning, morality, and destiny. And not only are you bringing all that when you read something or when you're hearing a story, but you're bringing your family of origin, you're bringing your pain and your traumas, you're bringing your wins, you're bringing your work, you're bringing all of it, you're bringing the questions of the human soul, and you're reading, or you're hearing a story, or you're watching a movie, right? You watch Lord of the Rings, and you're hearing a story of meaning, a battle for good and evil and adventure, right? And you're being drawn in, and what's it doing? It's asking you questions about your own meaning in your own life. Uh, you read To Kill a Mockingbird, and it's asking you questions about morality. Here's a story of courage and loyalty and honesty. You're being drawn into the story, and the stories are laid alongside one another, um, and this is what some call um, dialogue, right? It's dialogical. These two stories are in conversation with each other. And herein lies the brilliance of a parable. Your life and a parable are in conversation with one another. 
And in Mark chapter 4, there's a handful of parables laid out. We'll look at, some, uh, today. We'll look at one today, and we'll look at a couple next week. But what, what happens to Jesus here is the crowds are still uh, accumulating. And in fact, the crowd is actually getting so large, the best way for him to preach is out on a boat. And so he's on a boat, and he's preaching. He's got like this floating pulpit going on, and then he begins to teach in story form. And so I want to look at, I want to look at this um, three ways. I want to understand this, the, the parables as a whole. I want, to, I want to begin to answer the question, why does Jesus um, speak in parables this way? And then um, I want to talk about the four uh, soils. So um, if you want to pull it up on your phone, that might be a good way. I'm going to try to walk through it as much as possible. And if you're asking questions along the way, that might be helpful too. Um, this won't be on the screen, but I'm going to read from verse 2. And he was teaching with many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sown rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. It yielded no grain. And other seed fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And then look at how Jesus ends this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Who has ears? Everyone has ears, right? So what is Jesus saying? Why is he repeating himself? He's saying, if you really want to understand the insights into the spiritual life, you need to lean in. You need to not just read, but you need to discern. Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You want to know how to hear? Listen to Jesus. This is what Paul is saying. So, that begs the question, what then is a parable? And some, some of you may not know this, but the, the word parable actually comes from two words in the Greek. Um, the first is uh, para, which means alongside of. Uh, think paraeducator, uh, someone who comes alongside a student. The second word is balo, which means to throw. And so if you put the two together, the word parable means to throw alongside. It's exactly what I've been describing to you so far. When you're, you're hearing a story and it's thrown alongside another story. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus took everyday occurrences, something that was familiar to the everyday person, and he threw it alongside a concept of the kingdom of God. And it was a simile, or it was a metaphor. And so Jesus would say things like, do you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Look at this tree. Do you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Look at this seed. Look at the birds, right? Or he would say, have you ever seen a poor woman desperately searching for a lost coin? Have you ever seen a shepherd searching for a lost sheep, then you understand my heart for lost people. And so Jesus would tell these very natural and everyday stories about corrupt judges and buried treasures and wild sons and obedient sons and lazy employees and landowners, all to say this, here's what your God is like. This is what God is like. And then he ends some of the parables with this fascinating statement, let he who has ears, let him hear. And what is that? Like, why does he have to repeat himself in that way? It's like, Jesus, I, I understand. And what it is, is it's actually a call to move past a superficial thinking. It's a call to discern and to understand the impact of the parable. And so today's parable is quite elementary. Like, you could read it a few times and say, I, I think I've kind of got the basic, uh, the basic concept of what's happening. It's simple, and yet we know that the parable is actually not that simple. 
Because the intention of the parable is to not give you the truth so easy, but to provoke you and I into understanding. Why? Because stories are inherently interesting. Uh, I try to uh, read some scholars and stuff when I prep for sermons. I read three, I read, um, three commentaries this week, and they all uh, quoted the same person. I actually don't even know who this guy is, um, but uh, his name is C.H. Dodd. And each commentary had this quote in it, and I thought this was really fascinating. It says this, At its simplest, the parable is a metaphor or a simile drawn from nature, nature or common life, arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness, and listen to this, leaving the mind in sufficient doubt to its precise application to tease the mind into active thought. And so the parable is not trying to give you the easy answer, but it's actually trying to tease the mind into active thought. And it makes me ask, why did Jesus speak this way? Why did Jesus speak this way? Verse 10 says, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. Um, in Matthew's gospel, uh, the disciples say, why do you speak to them in parables? And he said to them, to you, the disciples have been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. And so he looks at the disciples and he says, to you have been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. He looks at everyone else outside. He says, the truth, the truth of the understanding of this is veiled from you. And so maybe you're like already turning, like, I don't know if I like that. Right? I, don't, I don't know if that's fair. That's, that's, that doesn't balance out. And then he quotes Isaiah. They, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And so there's a posturing at work here, right? The, the message is being taught. It's being uh, heard by them, but it's not being perceived or understand. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will then you understand all of the parable? And so you're saying, okay, great. Like, that's what's happening in the text. But, like, how does that relate to life? It's very relatable. Have you ever thought in your life, if God is real, why doesn't he just show up? Like, if, if God is real, why doesn't he just answer my prayers? Like, God, if you're real, why don't you just prove it to me? Like, why don't you heal my cousin? right? Like, why don't you heal my mom? Why don't you get me into this school? Why don't you give me wisdom in this relationship? Why don't you send me a spouse, right? It, then it becomes real because we're questioning how God communicates, how God talks. I don't know about you. I think I, um, we were talking this morning about, uh, Brandon and I were talking about um, being youth pastors. I was a youth pastor for a really short time, hated it, was terrible at it. Um, but in middle school, they, they asked the most basic and brilliant questions, these kids. I'm, this, is like, this is like middle schooler question 101. Like, why doesn't Jesus just go to Times Square and like be put on all the screens and just say like, I've come to heal people, I've come to bring good news and like hand out Krispy Kreme donuts or something. I don't know. Like, why doesn't Jesus do, just do that? Like, that, that's like more rational, right? Like, in, in some ways you read this passage and you're like, actually, you know what Jesus needs? Jesus needs a better PR team. Like, he's not so good at the PR. He needs people to explain how to reveal himself. Jesus is a genius, you guys. Jesus is an absolute genius. Because a parable, uh, and this metaphor will break down, but a parable is actually like a Trojan horse into your heart. A parable is like a Trojan horse into your heart. It's, it sneaks into your heart, right? It keeps the message sort of veiled, sort of at a distance. It slows down your comprehension, but before you know it, this story is inside of you. It's depositing little ideas about the kingdom of God. It's depositing wisdom. It's depositing grace. And before long, what do you find out? I think I understand. I can't say I, I, I grasp everything, but I have a measure of faith 
in my life. And I'm starting, the wheels are starting to turn. But what does something like this actually require of us? Because I think this passage, if, if we zoom out a ton, what we actually find is this passage is really telling us a posture of someone who's ready to listen. This is, a, this is about a person who's ready to listen. I, I don't think I have, um, I don't have the patience for the parables. Like, do you have the tolerance to slow down and to listen? Like, to me, I'm like, give me the, the, the idea packaged nicely. Give me the truth. Give me the syllabus. Distill it down to brass tacks for me. But see, this is where we miss it. God is not content to just deposit ideas into your life and leave them there. You're actually going to see this in the parable today, but God created you and I. He understands us. He understands the human heart. He's not content to deposit the idea, but he wants us to actually have faith when it comes to understanding something like this. And so this is why I think Jesus begins to speak this way. It's because he wants us to take a step in faith and understanding, right? Only f- of the 40 parables, only one parable is set in the church, and only a couple of them even mention the name God. Why? Because you have to think about it then, right? You have to take it in, a Trojan horse to the heart, so it can invade the heart lodged into you so you can ponder and wonder in faith. What does Jesus really want from me? What does he really require? And so he looks at the disciples in verse uh, 13, and he says this, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And so it's really interesting. Uh, The parable of the sower is a parable about parables. It's it's, It's a way of him saying, hey, you want to understand everything I'm about to say and all the things I'm about to teach? You got to get this one first. You got to get ready for this one. And so this is the, it should, in some ways should be called the parable of the four uh, soils. And in verse 14, it says, the sower sows the word. And so what's what here? The sower sows uh, the word. And so to simplify it really basically, Jesus is the sower. The seed is the word, and uh, it's easy to get kind of lost on um, like what some of these words are and what they mean. The word is referring to the message or the teaching about Jesus, and so if you, you, know, you want to pick that apart a little bit, is it, is it the, the spoken word? Yes. Is it the written word? Yes. Is it uh, the gospel? I would say yes. Is it Jesus talking about himself in some ways? I would say yes. And what this parable actually is, is it's a litmus test. It's a warning sign. It's a, it's a mirror And the parable is, of course, asking the question, what soil are you, right? It's telling the story. Your life is placed alongside it like a mirror. And the question is, what is the condition of your heart? Can you respond to God's word based on the condition of your heart? And the first three, the the, the warning sign in this parable is that there's four soils and three of them are unfruitful. And that's the terrifying thing about it. And so the three unfruitful soils are the following. It's a hard heart. It's a shallow heart, and it's a divided heart. And so the first one is a hard heart, and here's how he begins in verse 15. We'll parse these out here. Verse 15 says, These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word that is sown in them. And so um, I grew up in North Phoenix. Uh, I I actually have a picture here of, like, this is like a neighborhood like uh, around the corner from my house. And so this is what it looks like. And I actually, I, I, I purposely put this up here because where Jesus is teaching is alongside the, the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. And it looks much more like this than 13th Street, I promise. And so, um, and actually, this is kind of sad. Uh, that's spring in Arizona. 
And so just so you know, it's green, it's springtime, all right? That's, that's the best you're going to get in terms of green. It's hot, the, the ground is hard, the, the air is arid, and so um, in, in Galilee, in that region, um, you would have regularly trotted paths. And what would happen to the soil or the dirt is it would become compacted. And so if you scattered seed on that path, what would happen? Nothing, right? It has no soil to sink down into. And what Jesus is saying here is that um, some people hear the gospel, but it never sinks down into their heart. The seed never grows because it has nothing to germinate in, right? This person hears the word. They're hearing the message. They're, they're maybe even grabbing it intellectually. But the good news of Jesus um, has hit something hard, and it can't sink in. And this is the first unfruitful soil. Um, my guess is this person maybe sees uh, the teachings about Jesus as only ever conceptual, right? It's only ever an idea, but it's never personal, and when you read about the good soil, that fourth one, you find that the, the uh, seed has gone into the soil and it's begun to sprout because it's found um, root and it's bearing fruit. But that can't happen here because the heart is too hard. Uh, I've, I've heard before that the longest distance um, in the world is 18 inches from the head to the heart. Like, I think that's the difference, right? You're grasping something in your head, but it's never really sinking down deep. And so have you thought of Christianity as more than theory? Have you ruminated over the idea that God might be who he says that he is? Like, what if this is more than just a fantasy story? What if the God of the universe really did send his son in love, and his son really did live, and his son really did die, and his son really did resurrect bodily for our sins? Like, what if that like, really happened? And maybe in your head, you just have a, you have a lot of questions. And I think questions are actually really profound. I always say that um, doubt is faith seeking understanding, right? The desire is there, but there's a distance between the head and the heart. And you know, I want to pause here too, because I think in 2022, one of the ways that many of us have been hardened is not actually by God, it's not by his word, it's not by Jesus's teaching, but a lot of us come into a room like this and we say, um, I've been hardened by people who say they follow Jesus, or I've been hardened by a community of people that uh, caused me trauma or caused me um, an experience that's not okay. And um, that, can, that can really cause a lot of damage. And I would say if your heart is hardened in that way, I think we need to be careful here to not say um, that nothing, that no healing can ever take place. But I, I want to say to you, I think that that's worthy of digging into right? It's worthy of digging into the hardness of heart that you may feel because someone came along and hardened you. Like, that's, that's a very real experience. And so that's a hard heart. Uh, the next uh, unfruitful soil is a shallow heart. And verse 16 says this, these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately what happens, they fall away. And so what happens to this seed here, it's, it's taken in the word, but it doesn't get down deep, right? It never got into the, the, the parts of the soil that could really give it life and these true sources of life. And so what does it do? It sprouts up quickly. And you know what happens? It's like a weed, right? Uh, think of my picture, like things happen like that in the dirt uh, in Arizona all the time. Things just pop up right away. But why didn't it grow? Because it was shallow. Um, I like how Jesus says it actually in the, first, uh, in the first part in the parable in verse 6. He says, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. 
AKA couldn't take the heat, right? Like it, it, it was done. And so this person may have had an experience with the word of God, but it's shallow or it's uh, superficial. They had an emotional religious experience, right? They went to church camp. They had a good, encouraging church experience and came back and said, I'm going to change. I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to fix everything. And then three months later, they ghost you, right? Never to be seen again. Or trouble comes their way and they're like, no, this, that, none of that makes sense. I have suffering in my life now. I cannot deal with it. And so the emotional high begins to fade. And so the first soil, they couldn't take it personal. The second soil, they only take it personal. Everything is only emotional. There's never an intention to grow deeper. And maybe you've uh, seen this in a really practical way. Someone um, sprout up with joy, excited about their faith experience. I remember um, in 10th grade, I baptized my friend, um, Brian. He had been, I had been dragging him to church, and his parents really never cared where he was on the weekend, and so he was just out all the time, and so uh, he would come to church with me. We go to this, like, um, this week-long camp out in California, and I think you just see the guy, things are just clicking for him. Like at night when everyone is like playing games, he's like reading his Bible. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like he is just like, everything is clicking for him. And by the end of the week, he's like, I want to get baptized. And I remember baptizing him in the ocean. It was like the amazing experience for me as a friend. Um, And three months later, he's gone. And he's gone because he couldn't take the heat. And he couldn't never tell his parents that he was actually going to church. He was ashamed of that. And I believe that his experience was, was real, but it wasn't rooted. And this person, the problem is, is that they come and they say, I have problems in my life that need a solution, but I don't really know if I want the depth of everything else. I want the gifts. I'm not so sure about the giver. And what's truly brilliant about the passage is really in a stark and bold way, Jesus is saying, this is not a real follower of me. Like, it, it's withering away, Right? And, and hear, hear me correctly, Jesus is gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. Jesus is patient with us. But this is, this is actually un- unveiling what it actually means to be a Christian. It's the ability to say, I cannot in and of myself fix my own problems. I'm living for myself, and I'm beginning to understand who I am in relationship to this God right? I don't, I'm not just someone that needs the gifts of the giver, but I want the giver, right? I know a, a follower of Jesus is someone, and, and we, we've heard this wrote over and over and over again, but it's not people that just need problem, that need their problems solved, but it's someone who says, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Like, I, can't, I cannot do this on my own. Uh, John Newton, who, uh, who wrote Amazing Grace, said this, although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. I love that. But this second soil wants nothing to do with that. And so what's scary to me is that you can have a real encounter with the person of Jesus and it not lead you to a life of repentance. And that's real. And apparently that's what happened with this shallow seed. So a hard heart, a shallow heart. The third one is a divided heart. And um, maybe you would just pause and reserve judgment for a second and, and maybe accept some, um, some challenge today, if some of you. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I think this is the hardest soil to recognize 
Because in one sense, it's being choked out by thorns, but there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it actually is, it is sprouting up. It is visible, right? The, the first two, we like clear, the first two are not Christians. The, it, the, the, they were taken away. They were withering away. But this one is different because it's found in competing space, right? There is a division taking place. And it's the trifecta, right? The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Uh, the cares of the world, that, that word cares is actually the word anxiety. And uh, in our community group this week, uh, Whitney pointed this out. It was really brilliant, is that uh, there's this language of being choked in there. And I, I thought this really profound, because um, really a dark metaphor that Jesus is employing, right? Like, that's, that's pretty dark, that something is being choked out and... Um, it got me really thinking about this, um, this idea of the anxieties of the world. I remember um, being uh, 16 years old and going out on uh, a date with a girl, and I was sitting in her driveway, and she was coming out um, to meet me, and I started panicking. I was like, should I drive away? Like, I'm so nervous about this. Like, I don't know what to do right now. And I remember getting out of the car, and she was like walking up, and I remember getting out of the car and standing on the other side of my car and having a panic attack. I didn't know it then. I didn't know what it was, but I, was, I, I felt that sensation of being choked. I felt like someone was sitting on my chest, and like someone's hands were around my throat, and I was just over there like, I got this, I got this, you know? I didn't have it at all, but I was trying to talk myself into it. And for me, what that actually manifests as, a, uh, as some real and substantial anxiety and depression um, throughout my, my, the end of my high school and in, into college. And I do think that there's an important balance that I want to create here. Um, cares of the world can be um, the anxieties that are brought about by work, um, that are brought about by relationships and fear. But for me, when I read this, I was like, um, the way that Jesus describes this like choking experience um, I've, I've experienced that in a real way. And for me, on a personal level, what that meant for me was uh, realizing chemical imbalance, going on medication for a few years, and a very, very helpful journey um, for me in figuring some of these out. And so I do want to make sure to draw a distinction between um, the anxieties that we experience in, in a chemical imbalance, though I think that these are valid in this way, that it seems like culturally there's like this low-grade anxiety that's just pervasive in our culture, and that reality actually has to be uh, thought about. But these things, um, ones that are chemical imbalance or even the anxieties of our world, are things that have the ability to take us away, to draw us away from God, and the things that actually have the ability to choke out the word that's being, um, that's being planted here. And then he adds on top, to, top of it uh, two really interesting things. is the deceitfulness of riches. And surprisingly, um, we may know this better than anyone living in New York, right? Like, we pay rent in New York, so, like, we understand the deceitfulness of riches. Like, you get in your bedroom at night, and you're like, it would just be nice to have a bigger bedroom somewhere else, you know? And that's okay. Like, that's just this thing that, that like, weighs on us low-key, right? Uh, Matthew 6, Jesus says, do not lay up yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves do not break in break in and steal. And then Jesus says this, very profound, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's always, I, I think it's really practical and profound. If, if I want to know where your heart is, I look at your bank account. If I want to know the condition of your heart, I'll see what you're giving your money to. It makes a lot of sense, right? That's the deceitfulness of riches in our world, and it's a distraction. And maybe you're consumed with those. And then I love Jesus here. 
or the desire for other things. It's like all the other things that you're trying to like skirt around that's like crowding up space in your life, just all of those too, right? Like I'm just going to tack on like all of it. But this is it right here. And some of us in the room, we actually need to, this is the parable that we need to lay our life alongside. Like this is the part of the parable that we need to take and we need to say, you know what? I've been feeling choked out. I've been feeling empty. I've been feeling insecure. And if you're honest, it's because you have a divided heart. It's all competing space. You're like, God, I want, I want your blessings. I want you to speak to me. I want all of these things. And the truth is, is God's voice is being choked out by the cares of the world, by the deceitfulness of riches, for the desires of other things. And then lastly, the fruit, the fruitful soil, or like I've been talking about over and over again, I'm going to get annoying about having a tender heart. Having a tender heart. Verse 20 says this, and those who were in the, um, that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And so the seed here grows. I was reading this week um, about crops and soil in this region. It's getting silly into the, the depths of this, but an average yield would be tenfold. And um, Jesus says that there's going to be fruit that's 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And this is Jesus' point exactly. The, the level of receptivity that you have to his word, your tender heart has ready to receive the good news of Jesus, and it would change everything about you as it's brought in. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And so the question then becomes, are you ready to listen? Are you ready to sit and think? Are you ready to soften your heart to the word of God, to let it come into your mind and in your heart and change you? And if you're willing to do that, then every parable you ever read will be easy to grasp because your heart will be ready to receive it. And those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. So, Father, I, I pray right now uh, for just um, a softening of our hearts. That, that, the, that might be part of the work that actually has to be done today is um, maybe it's a lot, maybe it's a little, but that you, would, um, that you would be at work in tenderizing us and making us more like your son, Jesus. And some of us, we just would admit, like, it's been shallow, my heart's been hard, um, but I'm ready to respond to you. And some of us are ready to do that, to, um, to receive prayer as we finish, to sing out, to talk to a friend, whatever it may be. Uh, but my prayer right now is that um, the good news of your son would sink deep into our heart and that would be our truest and deepest identity, that we are your children and that we can't earn your love, we can't deserve it, we can't serve at the Father's heart enough, we can't um, give away enough of our money to earn all of it, but actually, God, um, we come to respond uh, to your truth and to your grace, and then we can let it shape everything about us, and we can live free. And if we're being choked right now, God, I just pray that um, as the cares of the world really stack up, um, God, that you would be in the midst of those things, in the midst of our conversations, in the midst of our healing, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of uh, our work, and the things that pile up, that we would actually come and experience in a deep way a freedom because our hearts have been so tenderized by you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.